It's my turn. I'm very tired. To the boss. I feel like a nap now. You I know, might be finished talking. I um, don't know. Since you started, oh, you have things to say. <laughs> since you start right with books in your summer, what I might do is just start with um, films, just for something different. You are so full of surprises. You're like a riddle wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> do you know what was so lovely for me over the holidays? Because I. Um, I spent a lot of time on planes and sort of travelling and sitting around and stuff like that. And also we stayed with my brother in Brisbane for a fair bit and so we were with my two nephews who were 13 and 10. So my boys, they just play with the other kids so amazingly. And Great. So there was one day where my sister-in-law went to work and said, would you mind just being home with the kids all day? And I said, I oh, know, that'll be cool. And I realised like five minutes into it, this is going to be the best day ever because they just play yeah. and they just go from – playing games because the whole house is like um, just a new array of toys. That, yeah. that, so they just play in one room. Oh, now we want to watch TV. Now we want to go for a swim. Now we want to go back and play computer games. Now we want to go do Lego. So it was just chance to lay around reading all day and yeah. not have to be You just open children. up a it's box of barbecue awesome. shapes and sit back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let the good times rule. Um, so on planes for some this reason. This is the great thing about children getting older, by the way, which I'm really starting to benefit from. Is you know when you get out of that following kids around the house, changing nappies, you know naps and <laughs> constant admin. Yeah, and then when they all just are able to entertain themselves, particularly you know if you invite other kids around or you go somewhere to someone else's house, you're just like, yeah, I'm in fat city man. I'm opening a novel. Feels sort of like I'm on the cusp of that actually. Yeah. Um, do you know what I like seeing as well with my kids at this age that they're getting to is when they display behaviour that makes me think. Oh, that's good. That um, shows a bit of emotional intelligence and a bit of consideration for other people. Like yeah. their babysitter arrived this morning and uh, she gave a present to my seven-year-old who just turned seven and he said straight away, oh, thank you, which I thought, okay, great, You're good. Like, All those beatings Didn't have just, been worth it. Exactly. Um, and then uh, the little one said, you should have come to Daniel's party. And Daniel said um, – oh, no, people get busy. And I thought, Aww. oh, that's so nice too. I remember once seeing my nephew, I was just talking about actually Kaylin, who's a really lovely boy, um, on Christmas Day, their neighbours came over and they gave the boys, Kaylin and his brother, Riley, a present. And Riley at the time was quite little, I forget, maybe five and Kaylin was eight. And Riley said when they opened it, we've already got this. And Kaylin said... Yes, and that's why it's so good that we've got another one because now we won't need to fight over it all the time. And I just thought how incredibly thoughtful <laughs> to just come up with that on the top of your head to smooth it over and make everyone feel good. And Right, yeah. so the kid doesn't have your genetic, I'll just pop it in the bin then, <laughs> tendencies. Good to know. So for some reason, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time on planes for work and for um, pleasure. So I watched something that you told me to watch, which was The Greatest Showman. Ah, right. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, look, Hugh Jackman, just the world's most charming man. He's just got a great soundtrack. Yeah. That's the main thing. I mean, like there is – Yeah, the songs were There's great. a few uh, <clears throat> elements to the – Yes. Uh, <laughs> I did wonder how uh, – I think some liberties have probably been taken with, you know, P.T. Barnum's. It's P.T. Barnum, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. P.T. Barnum's. I mean, look, I don't know. Maybe he was embracing diversity at the time when he set mm, up his. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I Either that or running a freak show. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Making money out of uh, perceived freaks. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably a few liberties were taken with history, but I don't really know. So maybe he was a great guy. No, I think he was definitely not. In right. fact, the dollop, I think, have got an. Um, 
The Dollop has a um, podcast episode about P.T. Barnum, which is I haven't listened to, but Jeremy has, and he just says absolutely shocking. Really? You just won't be able to watch and, The Greatest Showman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. Right. Not good. I, I just had to like sort of – Shot, silence the sort of seven thirty Lee in my head, going, "Oh come on, that, yeah. I find that a little." Uh, and just Hollywood enjoy beat up. it. Yeah, I just enjoy it for what it was, and as you say, for the um, great songs. Um, I also bizarrely, for some reason, other than uh, Wife, which I'd really wanted to watch, the Wife. Um, I just wanted to watch, for some reason, I just wanted to watch classic films. None of the new release films appealed to me. So I watched Dead Calm. Oh, wow. What a cracker oh, of a, a film that is. Film, I haven't seen it? it for so many years. Um, and also when all the names come up of the, the screenwriter and the director, and it, I mean, it's just a, a sort of shopping list of amazing Australian um, talent, really, yeah. just a, a convergence of incredible people on the one project. And, I, you know, I was thinking as I was watching it, like, God, you know, when you were thinking about making the film of it or, or even writing the book of it, the film probably harder, you know, you'd feel on one level like, geez, I'm creating a rod for my own back here, aren't I? Because it's all the actions confined to a boat in yeah. the ocean in the middle of nowhere. And so you're limiting your options yeah. straight away. And for most of the film, Sam Neill is trapped on a different boat. Yeah. Um, and so, but nonetheless, the, the, the trapped thing adds to the tension yeah. so massively. Um, and it was just, I mean, Billy Zane was great. It made me wonder whatever happened to Billy Zane. I don't know. Um, and yeah, just the tension and the creation of tension. And it's not a long film, you know, that's one of my pet hates about <laughs> films that are flabby. It's not remotely flabby. Um, and just again, also looking at Nicole Kidman when she was young, because I remember oh. that film really put her on the yeah. map. The, the miniseries Vietnam had put her on the map in Australia in a big way, but this film put her on the international map. And I mean, starring her hair as itself as totally, well. Totally, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, so beautiful, but also was amazing. Yeah. In it. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really good film and it really stood up. Oh. What earth made you – you were just flicking through I was just on flicking, the plane, were you? I was just flicking through and I just wanted to watch something. I was trying to stay awake, so I wanted to right. watch something that would keep me awake um, and I was flicking through Australian films and I just thought, oh, dead calm. Jeez, I haven't seen that in a long time. wonder if it feels dated or if it's it – in you know, with modern eyes it yeah. won't feel as tense, but it felt really tense. It was great. Um because I'd watched, uh, because I'd interviewed Michael Caine for Seven Thirty and read his memoir, which I really enjoyed, um, I then got stuck into a Michael Caine um, rabbit hole. Gosh. So I watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, I love that oh, movie! God, it was. So That's good. so funny. As soon as you said Michael Caine, I thought I'd love that movie that he was in, Dirty Rotten Scandals. And the thing with Michael Caine is that he's done like, and he's very frank about this. He's like, oh, I've done some shocking films. <laughs> well, Dirty, not, Dirty Rotten Scandals is not one of them because that it's is so that is a fantastic funny. film. Uh, it was. It's just hilarious, and it's. I mean, I'm not a great fan of slapstick, although I do like Steve Martin and his yeah. work does tend to the slapstick, but he is also very cerebral. Steve Martin as Ruprecht. Oh, oh God, it was just... mother. And the, those two, I mean, Michael Caine just lets Steve Martin just be so over the top and he's just so restrained and it just adds to the comedy so immeasurably that Michael Caine keeps a really tight rein on himself. Um but that sequence where Steve Martin, the con man, <laughs> plays the fake brother of, you know, this sort of supposedly exiled prince, Michael Caine, Ruprecht, and he's attempting to sort of put women off hooking up with Michael Caine because he comes with the brother. Oh, God, I was just 
sobbing with laughter. It was so funny. Um, and then I, <laughs> bizarrely. I, I was thinking the other day about like showing my 12-year-old daughter that film. What I think, think uh, yeah, I think you'd get away with it. Yep. I think it's probably okay for a 12-year-old. Then I watched, because um, I was on my Michael Caine binge, Batman Begins, which was what? hilarious because like, the hostie came along. Someone and- needs to just come and tap you on the head with a blunt implement. <laughs> well, What's I think the hostie on? nearly did. The hostie came along and said, what are you watching? And I said, um, Batman Begins. <laughs> and he goes, he went, oh, we're going down that route, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of chatters among the uh, Qantas hosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just get the vibe because I'm I'm always having conversations (laughs) with them. Uh, (laughs) Batman Begins, it was actually great. Christian Bale's Batman. Okay. Um, There's – oh, who's the other person in it? Gary Oldman. There's some amazing people in it. The cast is amazing. And it's the sort of – I guess at the time probably it would have been one of the first of the origin superhero stories, which right. is how does Batman, how does Bruce Wayne decide, you know what I'm going to do, start dressing up like a dude and be Batman. <laughs> um, and so it gives you a bit more of the origin story and his relationship with Alfred the butler who's Michael Caine. And there's a lot of great action in it. So it's it's a it's a genre that I like, which is action, but with a bit of brains. You're in it. so funny. <laughs> and then I always remember when I can't remember when I first got the sniff of your deep obsession with the um, Die Hard films. Oh, I love them. Well, the first one really is the only one I love. After Alan Rickman's dead, it's, they're not worth the price of admission. But, you know, it's bloody uh, – oh, Alan Rickman. God, what You're a god that man is. So then I'm at my friend um, Claire's flat in London and she listens to BBC4 all the time. Right. And uh, Michael Caine – they have an hour of Michael Caine reading from his own memoir that oh, I've just read, fantastic. part of the audiobook. And, you know, it's really interesting because I've never listened to an audio book because to me I think, well, it's not reading, is it? Like that's listening. It's not reading. And a book is written to be read. And yet you've recorded an audio book of Any Ordinary well, Day. Well, interestingly because, you know, basically I had to. Can you still get the version where you're drinking that tea with I a slurp the whole time? I think they've taken the sips out. Oh, um, nuts. I, I'm surprised. Like, so I've had a squillion people tell me that I've listened to the audiobook of Any Ordinary Day. I didn't realise how many people do do audiobooks. Like, it's a really big thing. So that's been a bit of an eye-opener to me to how popular audiobooks are. And then it's made me ask people constantly, do you listen to audiobooks? And think, and then it's made me rethink, well, maybe I should listen to some audiobooks. So anyway, so Michael Caine comes on reading his theme. Now, bearing in mind, I've read Michael Caine's book, so mm. it's not new to me what he's talking about. I constantly, I, I'd find myself, like, I just would be stopped like mid-walk because Michael Caine would be saying something really interesting and I'd just be like frozen like, oh, that's so interesting. Oh, what am I doing? I've stopped making my cup of tea or whatever. And then right, so, so you were just listening to it on BBC4 at this stage. Just on BBC4, yeah. yeah. And so it was so engaging and it's so lovely hearing him read it in his own voice right. that it made me think, okay, maybe, maybe I've missed the boat here and I do need to rethink my attitude to audiobooks. And I was thinking – Possibly a good one to start with might be Michelle Obama's Becoming. All right, okay. She I haven't read that yet either. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that maybe that would be a way to... I, I um, As you know, I'm like huge fan of the Alan Clark diaries and yeah. um, I have them on audiobook and I really did enjoy that. Who reads um, it? His son, oh, I think. Oh, okay. Because um, I was thinking if you picked like say... Um, the importance of being earnest read by Ian McKellen, that's going to be brilliant. Or if you've sure, picked yeah. Harry Potter read by Alan Rickman, I mean, I don't know who reads Harry Potter. But, well, you know, um, Stephen Fry does. Stephen and in Fry, fact, right. um, those audiobooks are un. 
unbelievably expensive. So like you oh, you they? buy the audio book for like the first, you know, the Philosopher's Stone and it'll be like 70 or 80 bucks. It's insanely wow. expensive. But here's the thing, so worth it. Oh. You know, my children have listened to – and Fry is incredible. It's like having oh. a team of ten actors, like he's got different voices for oh, all the characters. Wow. And it's so good that it is really worth it. And my kids would have listened to um, The Philosopher's Stone, I, you know, easily 25 times. Oh, like, okay, right. And so like sometimes they'll listen to it as they're going to bed, like you go in, do stories, and then lights out and they can listen to like 10 minutes of oh, Harry Potter. okay. And because okay. they've listened to it so many times before, it's like a soothing kind of, Oh, yeah. okay. So, oh, well, maybe, maybe I need to rethink this snobbery about um, – audio well yeah i always think of it as thing for kids and i don't really get into it i'd rather listen to a podcast i think i find yeah. i think i lose track of plot a little bit that's what i because like, i'll be yeah. sort of like oh i wonder what that what's that bird doing and i think exactly oh, shit, who died you know that's because i often find if i go to hear a lecture or something unless the yeah. person's very engaging my mind usually wanders yeah so like, i'm worried my mind will be for wandering instance, i'm checking be... my text messages while <laughs> yeah, you're even exactly. telling me about your <laughs> failure to maintain attention sorry what was that? um so anyway so i'm i'm contemplating um doing an audio book and can i just say that Michael Caine uh, memoir, it's great. Get it, read it. It's lovely. If you, particularly if you like Hollywood-type memoirs, and as we all know, I do love that stuff. Um, now, I also watched a documentary that won the best Oscar um, a few years back called Icarus, which is about um, doping in cycling, oh. one of my fa- favourite non-fiction topics. Because <laughs> um, of your massive love of sport. <laughs> uh, it is about a guy who decide, who's a sort of amateur cyclist. He, he wants to experience what happens if you do do a doping program and he's going to make a documentary and dope himself and that's oh, how it right. starts. And does he become a, an international superstar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he seeks advice from somebody who says, you know, he should ask, get in touch with, I forget the guy's name, but he runs or used to run or does run the Russian doping, anti-doping agency. He knows right. all about it. Yep. He'll give you some advice, blah, blah, blah. So the docu- American documentary maker strikes up this friendship with the Russian an anti-doping boss um, who gives him some advice about how to dope and he does seem remarkably knowledgeable about it. And then uh, the Russian anti- anti-doping guy decides he wants to blow the whistle on doping in Russia, right. which he's been involved in up to his neck, including right. hiding samples and swapping samples and right. blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he goes on the record as a page one you know, New York Times story, blah, blah, blah. And this documentary maker's got all the fly-on-the-wall stuff of the guy's decision about doing it and then what happens in the aftermath and going into hiding because, you know, the Russians are after him and all the rest of it. Um, it I didn't love it as much as I thought I would, but it was an interesting doco and it's in, I guess, the, the vibe of like the staircase where it's like, didn't you luck out happening to be making a doco about something totally unrelated and it turns out this dude, it's just you've stumbled into this amazing wow. sort of story. Um, so, yeah, it was well worth it. And so if you followed the Lance Armstrong stuff and Tyler Hamilton and Floyd Landis and all those people and you're into that story, it's definitely a good um, add-on to that. TV-wise over the holidays, with the exception of one thing, I had a sort of unhappy television viewing um, really? period. Yes. Oh, um, are you going? You about to um, issue a crushing review? <laughs> First, I'm going to give a good one, which was about Happy Valley, which right. is on Netflix, which people had been telling me to watch, you know, incessantly. I've never heard got of around it. to it. British cop drama, um, strong female protagonist. The way you described Sandra Oh in Killing yeah. Eve reminded me of her. Oh, okay. Excellent character. Um, like a lot of those British police dramas, can be a bit grim in the subject mm-hmm. matter but it's a she's such a great character and her um 
she just carries it and it, it really holds your interest. So I'd, I'd get home every day and think, can't wait to watch another episode oh, of Happy awesome. Valley. Yeah. So I banged over two seasons of that in rapid succession. Um, you had the best holiday ever, didn't you? You really I did. really – it actually was the best holiday I've had in memory. I feel so rested and refreshed. It's great. Um I watched a show that everyone went nuts for um, called Bodyguard, which was uh, it's a British um, show about the Home Affairs Minister and the bodyguard assigned to protect her, basically, chaos ensues. Um, Claire, my friend that I was talking about before who I stayed with, said it was the first show in her memory when you were living in London that when you went to work the next day, everyone had been watching it in real time as soon as the episode dropped because everyone wanted to talk about oh, what was happening wow. in it. Oh, yeah. okay. Now, Again, it was, I've never heard of it. Which which what it's uh, on Netflix. Which planet am I living on at the I moment? Planet someone else chooses your television viewing for. Yeah. Uh, it's it was okay. I watched like one episode and then left it probably two weeks to watch the second. Ooh, so that'll okay. tell you my level of okay. engagement in it. Nonetheless, it wasn't the worst thing I watched over <gasps> summer. That Gather honor, around. That honor <laughs> That honor goes to London Spy, which right. should have been much better than it was. Um, it was a British, um, I guess, spy drama. It starts with a good premise, which mm. is um, the actor, I think his name's Ben Ben Wishart. Ben, uh, Can't anyways, you'll definitely know him if you see yep. him. Uh, great cast, Charlotte Rampling, Jim Broadbent. Okay. Yeah. Really strong. Um, it starts with uh, Ben Wishart's character is a young gay guy He's sort of stumbling home from a drunken night. This very hot guy is running towards him and they have a sort of fleeting moment of where they have an instant connection and then Ben goes back sort of looking for him and Mm. then they end up sort of having a relationship. This guy seems a bit mysterious. He lives in a very flash apartment. It's not quite clear what he does. He says he works in finance, Uh really works for, you know, MI6. Um, And then he – Ben doesn't hear from him for a bit goes to his apartment, finds the – this is in like episode one – finds the guy's um, body and then it's just the sort of him trying to work out what's actually happened and then Ben's life sort of unravelling and whatnot. Now, it's it's shot – London looks amazing. It's shot in this very moody sort of way. The acting's all fine. Oh, the story is just so – Bad and the script is so dreadful. Wow. Convoluted, doesn't go anywhere, meanders, tons of red herrings. The sort of secret that emerges is so ridiculous um, that it's the payoff is just pointless. So how long did you um persist with this well, ritualized got, self-abuse? It, it was only about six episodes. By episode four, I was just so full of contempt for it that I felt like, you know what, I actually now I just want to see how they're gonna resolve this dog. Like how are they gonna pull <laughs> this back around and what's gonna how it's gonna end. So by the end I was just like watching it with half an eye just to see sort of what happened. I'd lost complete interest. <laughs> and I just kept thinking, how have you made such a balls up of such a good premise and with such a good cast and so well shot and so moody and everything it should have been really good it should i wanted to like it much better than i liked it oh god i've used up 18 minutes just talking just about books at moaning. TV and film. oh my god you haven't even gotten it to any books. My books yet wow. oh god, i've read so many Hurry. i have to like have one minute per book okay probably my favorite thing that i read all summer and that i really was wanting to talk to you about was so you've been publicly shamed oh, by john ronson by john ronson which you told me ages ago what to read. a great book oh god well, as you said, you spent 80% of the time enjoying it and 20% of the time just riven with fury that you didn't think of the idea yourself, which yeah. is how I felt too. Yeah, yeah. I just really 
every moment of it, I just thought this is the greatest idea. And so it's basically this guy's done it. And you'd never do it better than John Ronson. Like it's, no, it's, absolutely it's, not. Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, the premise of it is looking at something we see all the time, which is somebody does something dumb on social media or in life, and then they are just crucified. hounded mm. and crucified on social media to the degree that their whole life falls apart. And he. I guess sort of like me with my book where I wanted to look at we see these people in the news in these frozen moments of time, what happens next after moments of great yeah. trauma and tragedy. He's doing what happens next after moments of great public humiliation. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it should be mandatory reading for anyone who's on social media and anyone, myself included, who's ever joined a, a pile on yeah. of somebody who's stuffed up. Um, and, I mean, there were so many things in it that I found interesting. And Ronson himself talks about how he's enjoyed the shaming of people yep. on social media. But the bit that I I found, because he's trying to look at, well, what it, what is the way to withstand, you know, this sort of thing? And he goes and talks to Max Mosley, who um, is a British um, public figure who he was, was involved with the Grand Prix, wasn't Grand he? Prix, he's I think the daughter the of um, – He's, he's, he's the son of Diana. Oswald Mosley and Diana Mitford. Mitford I mean, yeah. really, yeah. A lot of shame in the family history there because yeah. of their links Fascists, to fascism. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he gets outed in a newspaper in a sort of, you know, undercover type thing where he's filmed in some sort of sex orgy, dressed in uniforms that appear to be like Nazi uniforms, like irresistible story given the family yeah. history, and um, is publicly shamed in a really huge way. The tabloid headline is like mostly in Nazi sex romp, yeah, basically. Exactly. I mean, it's huge. Anyway, Ronson, hard to survive. It's fascinating because Ronson goes to see him and what he discovers is somebody who basically um, has refused to be shamed um, and won't be shamed and sort of fought the papers and said, you know, they weren't Nazi uniforms. They were some other sort of, you know, militaristic type <laughs> Nazi-esque uniform. Obviously it's a militaristic sex romp, but it's not a Nazi sex romp. But he basically just would not um, ever say that he did anything wrong. It was yeah. like, yeah, okay, uh, that is what I like to have as sex. And and so Ronson sort of talks about you can only be shamed if you, I guess, are willing to be shamed. Anyway, it's a fascinating exploration. And the other bit that I found – But also so- Mosley had enough money to – Fight it. To fight it. He got yeah. lawyers and he – they went through and they found and ordered takedown notices for every reposting yes. of this story, which is like incredibly yeah. ambitious because something like this, pictures go everywhere, um, reports go everywhere, social media. His legal team basically pursued every Googleable, searchable yeah. reproduction of this information. Well, one of Ronson's chapters, he talks about a service that you can buy where it's like sort of Google washing, where the the mentions of the whatever the stupid thing you've done can get then placed onto. Because most people won't go past page one or two of reputation a Google cleansing. Reputation this cleansing. This is the thing yeah, that I found so most interesting. interesting about that book is like his account of how these companies work that offer to clean up your you know, or to erase or minimise the appearance of these scandals yeah, um, that when was your really name is popped into a search engine. The bit I found the most interesting other than the Mosley bit was about he goes to a thing about cross-examination and withstanding cross-examination and how cross-examinations work and he said – he was struck by how much shame is used as a tool and making people feel embarrassed and humiliated. Yep. And when it, when he talked about it, I thought, my God, that is so true because I've covered lots of court over my life and just thinking that is so true because you're trying to plant often doubt in the minds of people watching and so you're trying to cast aspersions on the person yep. on Stan's credibility and a way of doing that is to make them seem stupid. or. 
what so what you're actually suggesting yeah. is that X, Y, Z. And so you can't remember what you had for breakfast last week and yet you expect us to, to remember mm. how someone removed your underpants three years ago. Like, you know, there's still that sort of stuff. Anyway, it, it's a great, great read. Um, I read The Land Before Avocado, Richard Glover's Oh, yes, new very book. funny. Completely mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, very nostalgic for anyone who's raised in the 70s. And I loved how... It, the premise of it is, yeah, we all get nostalgic about how things were in the 70s and 80s and how much better they were. Actually, no, there was some pretty crap stuff that we've yep. forgotten about. Yep. Um, and so, you know, don't, that, I thought that was really great. I, how does Richard Glover just never run out of material? Like, that guy's amazing. He so is amazing. He's a great radio presenter. He's been doing that afternoon show, never ever loses energy, charm, um, oh. and. A sense of curiosity about people that he interviews or people he phones phone and in and so on. Like there's that kind of joy in his voice at like totally. finding absurd or charming or fascinating things. Just never seems to wane. And I think it's like an incredible talent in a broadcaster. But also like he just writes these books that are full of just funny stories and things you just think you must have been holding on to that but hang on you've written seven books and you still haven't run out of gold he's got a lovely personality i like hanging around him because he's always interesting and he's got a certain base level of i don't know i'm sure probably at home he's a cranky bugger but he's got a certain base level of joy around him that i just like but i mean if you read his um i guess what is probably his most serious memoir which is flesh wounds yeah such an Um, unhappy childhood and, you know, was packed off to London to stay with a family friend who sexually abused him. Like, And he writes about it in such a kind of plain way but also full of humour. You think, wow, imagine coming through that experience and still being someone who's like takes delight in the world around him. And viewing it as a flesh wound. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, so I am continuing on my obsession with Kate Kennedy and I read her oh, collection good. of stories called Dark Roots. Right. Um, and there's another one called Like a House on Fire that I'm halfway through at the moment. Just amazing writer. I, I just Wow, she is your fan. find of 2018. She is my she? find of 2018. I mean, I have read her novel before, um, The the world beneath, which I loved as well, but I'm, I'm only now doing a real deep dive on Kate Kennedy. Um, Asymmetry by Lisa Halliday. Do you remember oh. when Philip Roth died? I read you out of his obit that the yeah. last thing you read was about a young a novel, a draft of a novel about a young woman who's befriended an older male novelist. <laughs> this is her book about befriending fictionalized Philip Roth. Oh, and so they actually did have an affair. Well, it appears so. I meant to do some googling before I got here and I ran out of time. Um, it's like she has kept a diary of every single encounter that she's had with Philip Roth and gone home and written it down and right. then made a novel out of it, which it's a great novel. I could not stop reading it. Oh, she's a good writer. Yeah. Um, she learned some stuff from Philip Roth, obviously, but um, it was it Either was that great. Or she's actually talented herself, Lee Sales. <laughs> God, what maybe that's become? why Philip, Philip Roth. Roth. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's great, but it, it is amazing. Like the you know sh- the woman in the novel. Let's just say it is a novel. Um, it's not nonfiction. It, it's not. It's a novel. She's in her twenties. The dude's in his I think seventies or eighties. So the sex scenes, Hello, as you can imagine, Boris are fairly <laughs> fairly tricky to take. Um, finally. Finished Boy Swallows Universe by Ah. Trent Dalton. Yes. I started it just around the time Dad died, couldn't concentrate on it, set it aside, finally went back to it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, It's a book to remind you why you love reading. It's so imaginative and it's such a romp and it just – ties everything up so beautifully and um, it reminded me a little bit of A Fraction of the Whole by Steve Tolt. <gasps> That's exactly what 
I thought. Yes. Yeah. One of my all-time favourite books. Um, it's beautiful. The characters, you sort of miss them when it's over. Really loved it. Educated by Tara Westover, which I've kept seeing on bestseller list for months and months and months and months. It happened to be lying around my friend Claire's place, so I picked it up. Um, it's a memoir about – it was one of Barack Obama's favourite books of last right, year. Right, okay. A memoir by a woman. It's in the vein of um, – Hillbilly Elegy and yep. um, Hundred Years of Dirt. Woman grows up in a family where, in her case, they're not rich, although they the family does become come into a bit of money. They, it's the father's a nutty, um, extreme root of Mormonism. Oh, doesn't right. believe in education. Uh-huh. Um, you know, thinks women have to be totally, you know, sort right. of chaste and and sort of pure all the time. Blah blah blah. So she basically gets to mid teenage years with no formal education whatsoever, and then has to try to get educated. Hence the title, educated. The thing that sets this book apart. She's a great writer, and it is just it, it's a familiar story that we've read now, which is the person who has to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. The other book it reminds me of is The Glass House by um, Jeanette Walls. Um, have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The thing that I thought set this book aside is a lot of these books, what they just talk about and focus on is, I guess, how hard it is um, to and the discipline it takes to do that and, you know, what it takes Mm. to get there and then you're sort of like the fish out of water in the world that you find yourself in. What she goes into in a really heartbreaking and interesting way is – what it costs in terms of losing your family and having to let go of your family because everyone that in the new world that you're in and all the outsiders, it's like, well, why would you – your father's just, you know, pulling you down, your brother beats you up. Like why would you want that? Mm. It's because that's the only thing that's familiar to you and that is your family. Mm. And so you have to make this, I guess, calculation or it almost gets made for you that you're going to be – losing that everything that you know and she explains that in a really you actually you understand why would some why why would you keep going back to this horrible house and the the abusive father and and the just difficulties Mm. of all of that why wouldn't you just cut the ties she makes you understand why you wouldn't just cut the ties oh wow um so sounds fascinating yeah that the, the sort of back third of the book where she really starts explaining that I think is the best part of it. Um, the other book that I read, and this is my last God, You're thing, smashing through it. I am, is The Forgotten Waltz by Anne N. Wright, which you told me to oh, read yeah. ages yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. It's basically about a woman who uh, has an affair with somebody and they both end up leaving their relationships and then they're together and the man has a daughter. Um, just... <laughs> Some of her sentences and descriptions, I mean, I think I, I said to you and I put it on the Chat 10 Facebook group, it's the kind of book if I often read in bed at night, so I'd put it down and then I'd lie in bed. <laughs> you just hear this little voice in your head after you've read her writing go, so you think you can write a novel, do you, little girl? Because <laughs> like, it's just so just amazingly done, like just such a yeah. high level of skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because – the structure and the – I mean, I mean, I guess any story is a built, made up of building blocks of words and phrases and oh. whatever, but like, you know, it's like reading. The economy, I mean, as we've discussed I love before, how we're both discussing this so fluently and articulately. <laughs> 
It's just like the words, they're so good. The words, so clipper. Um, No, it's just, it's like, you know, we've talked about before how there's different kinds of writing and some kinds of writing involve um, economy of words and some kinds of writing involve ornate words and some kinds like Trent Dalton's book involve very elaborate ornate plots where you sort of feel like how's all this going to get pulled back together and then they do Um, and others just take a very, very simple um, premise and, um, you know, sort of make it work because they do a deep dive. I'm just trying to find because I sent you the – a clip from it, but I think I've deleted the text. I just sent a little bit to you where she was writing about uh, what it's like being with somebody who's had a partner before you and so you have to be the not wife. And she says it's like, you know, there's a zombie wife in a coffin where you have to keep nailing her down and you, you say the wrong thing, like you talk too much about illness or be careful, you might oh, catch I found a cold. It. Oh, have you? I found it. There it is. Um, you might catch a cold and release the zombie wife. Here it is. Um the partner, the, the couple, the ones who've left their partners, they have a fight because she says, you'll catch a cold, and it reminds me of the wife. She says it was like he was nailing the lid down on some coffin. Now, what was inside the coffin? Some zombie wife who still twitched at the light. I spent my days trying to guess what Aileen might say so I could do something different, and I learned in jig time not to mention illness of any kind or weakness even. It was a delicate business, this, being the not wife. <laughs> I just read that and then sat there for about five minutes going, yeah. wow. Also, I think I interviewed Anne Enright Clang, at the Sydney Writers' Festival a few years back when I think her novel The Green Road had just come oh, out. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, she's got a – she's terrifying because – Is she – but what age is she? Mm, say mid-50s, okay. I guess. Um, but she is um, – a literary academic, so her everything she writes is formed by and draws upon her expertise in literature. She so, knows like the canon, I know, right? Like, I just felt like my ignorance of the canon was like just <laughs> hanging off me like a flag. <laughs> like, I just felt like any minute I was about to commit some solecism or just like <laughs> betray my ignorance because she just is massively. Um, well read, right. and her she is she's an extremely present and vigilant person. She feels intellectually vigilant, and that kind of comes through in her writing, which is so disciplined. <laughs> and her two scarier words uttered about someone that is intellectually vigilant. vigilant. <laughs> oh God. So, yeah, I was thrilled meeting her, but it was really terrifying. It really was proper terrifying. I just never want to meet her. Um, Okay, last thing, and then I'm going to go. Two podcasts I listened to on a walk, uh, both Desert Island Discs, which I'd never listened to before. Annie Lennox, big fan of Annie Lennox, love her. She was just beautiful. She's so smart. And someone once described her to me, she's like a beautiful alien, and I thought that was such a great description of her. She's so talented, loved hearing all about her life and everything that informed her, and I loved hearing her choices of music. John McEnroe on Desert Island Discs was the other one. <laughs> loved it, loved him. He reminds me of Alec Baldwin, probably someone who you like from a distance, a bit too close all yeah. the time, it'd be a bit much. But the thing that stuck with me, I mean, there's lots of great things in it, but um, he tells a great anecdote about meeting David Bowie, but um, which just <sighs> listen to it to get it. But um, 
the interviewer asks him, because you know how his thing is, you cannot be serious. Yeah. She said, how many times, um, you know, would strangers say that to you? He says, um, seven to 11 times, seven to 10 times a day. Oh, a no. day. <laughs> and he, she said, how do you go with it? And he said, mostly I'm pretty gracious about it, but. He said, like, the other day I came into Heathrow, I'd been waiting for an hour and a half in immigration. When I got to the front of the line, the person said, you cannot be serious. And he said, I was just, like, enraged. And then the person said, you know, you seem, like, not in a very good mood. And he's like, yes, because I've been waiting for an hour and a half. And I just thought, oh, how difficult would that be? Mm. Because every person, if you don't laugh and go, <laughs> good one, they're walking away going, oh, that John McEnroe's a bit of an asshole. It's pretty bold, though, given that his primary reputation is for completely Being losing cranky. his shit and like throwing his racket at people. Oh. Pretty bold, I reckon. I even saw, you know, um, first so is the idea that the immigration official said this yeah. to him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, can you imagine the actor's name's Ben Stein, the guy in Ferris Bueller who plays Bueller? Yeah. Bueller. And, oh, it just, wow. I once saw him in the, I think it's in the DVD extras of Ferris Bueller, <laughs> talking about that and he said um, he actually loves it because it. he said I've, uh, that's the only way I've been able to come to peace with it is just imagine being part of such a cultural phenomenon that yeah. like every day millions of people say to you, Bueller, Bueller. Like it's such a, you know, it's hard to imagine actually. I mean what's a more iconic line associated with someone than Bueller, Bueller? I mean it's up there, isn't I'll it? I'll be back. I'll be back, yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah. You'd get a lot of that if you oh, were God, a million times a day. I mean, you get enough of it if you're Matthias Gorman, so. Oh, exactly. <laughs> okay. Whew, wow. I wow. feel like I've been on a modern pentathlon of some kind. <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> right, now I just have to go and do my actual job. I oh, know. Sorry about that, love. I'm going to have a cup of tea. Do you know what I feel really bad about is I just gave myself six extra minutes because like, this one went for 36 and I think all the others had to go wow. for like 31 or oh, 2. Oh, okay. So so I have to stop talking, but you can just stretch just go out. On. People don't mind if it's 36 minutes. You know that, I know don't they you? don't. The only person who minds is me because, yeah. like, as I explained before in a couple of episodes ago, my life is governed down to the minute. So every Angry minute, letters to Lisa's Every please. minute that I'm taking up here, I'm making my next part of my day harder. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm going to leave you all with that cherry to it. <laughs> head to chat10looks3.com where you'll find information about everything we've discussed in this episode. Click on the link bedside table to purchase books we've discussed. If you scroll down the homepage, you can also sign up for our newsletter, which has heaps of interesting extra things to read, watch or listen to. And sometimes the website even has merchandise to buy and information about live shows around Australia. You can follow Chat 10 Looks 3 on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Thanks for listening.